Don Rahul Jimenez. How amateur is that? Like, you don't even see that down in the park. If they, if they lose, it provides great content. I am supporting every team that plays break. I'm not making a documentary this year about how shit my club is. Mudman, thank you as always. Who would you rather lose it to, by the way, me or Johnny? That's somebody's choice. <laughs> Hello and welcome to uh, another edition of uh, Outpost for Goalposts, brought to you by the Football Babble with myself and the brain, Paddy Renshaw. Hello, Paddy. Hello, good evening, chaps. Uh, we're joined by a very special guest, Mike Holt from Going on the Match podcast, based out of the Isle of Man. Hello, Michael. How are we? Not too bad. Oh, nice little Tiago intro as well there, sir. I like that. Well done. Uh, people are really going to start thinking all I do is book guests at Sport Liverpool because with Stephen Scrag on two weeks ago now with Mike on, who's another massive Liverpool fan, and it is the case. I don't like any other fans. Uh, Michael, as always, <laughs> thank you for joining us. Um, really nice to have you on. Finally get doing one. Um, we're going to chat to you tonight uh, about football on the Isle of Man, uh, what, what it's like, a new club that has started on the Isle of Man, we want to hear more about that there, um, life on the Isle of Man as well, because I've been, Paddy has never been, uh, something we want to do when lockdown finishes, uh, I want to get back over and experience it, so we'll chat about that, and then obviously we'll talk about the magnificent Reds towards the end. Um, just get to talk, get into it, the structure of the football in the Isle of Man, is, is it is it semi-pro? Is it is there any pro teams? Is it all amateur? What what what, what way does it work? So it's all amateur, really. Um, what you've got, you've got a division one and you've got a division two. Um, underneath them, you've got combination leagues, which is what it says in the tin. Really, it's a combination of the younger lads that are coming through that are like 16, 17, um, and then your veterans that are starting to wind down from playing amateur football. Um, all the football over here for, for men's football is all on a Saturday, as opposed to, obviously, I know mostly in the UK, it's you, 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 like amateur football is usually a Sunday league sort of thing, isn't it? But it's all Saturday over here, um, which I don't think many people mind because then they can go out on Saturday night then they've got the Sunday to be hung over. But uh, yeah, no, it's all, it's all, that's all amateur. Um, I think we've also had, and um, we've got the Isle Man FA over here as well. And that's supposedly, I suppose you could say that's really like our national team, sort of. Um, but I think the frustrations, a lot of frustrations come from that because they can only, they've only been playing in things like the Kenefa and then they've been playing in like the uh, county leagues and stuff like that. So they don't play very often. You probably only ever see them play like once a year, twice a year at the max. So... If you're an aspiring footballer over here in the Isle of Man, and to be fair, there's been some this really talented footballers over here, and like even playing footy myself, it's quite frustrating seeing players that are really good and they don't get enough of a chance. So what you'll find with the players over here is they will go to the UK. A lot of them go to the US as well. A lot of people from here go to the US to get their opportunity. Um, there's a player called Liam Doyle that used to play over here. He's now playing for San Antonio. He's played for like Nashville. He's played for some like really big teams in America. Um, Adam Long, he's about 21. He's now playing for Wigan. He's Wigan centre back this season. Um, Unreal. Yeah. So the, you know, and they just 
a lot of the time it's just who you know and getting that trial across and getting the chance to express yourself. So I don't think a lot of people, you know, will come over here and scout players because there isn't, like I say, it's only amateur football over here. So people wouldn't come over naturally. Um, and like I say, with the Ironman FA, they don't get the chance to play enough to showcase what talent we have got over here. So that's kind of kick-started the, the new football club that we've got over here, which is FC Alaman. Um, now, FC Alaman are now playing in the bottom tier of the triangle of um, English football, and they're trying to work them the way up now. They've had that um, application accepted last year. Um, and like Guernsey and, Jersey, uh, Guernsey and Jersey have done it quite a lot recently. They've started doing that last couple of years, and they've been finding success doing it. Um, we've got, as I say, it's a stadium. It holds about 2,000 people over here. It's called the Bowl, um, which is like a 3G pitch, which is a great facility, to be fair. And um, so the FC Alman have got that to use. And yeah, they're really, it's a, obviously a great project that's just started. It's going to give um, kids over here and the adults as well that are really good at football and that are coming through aspiring to want to be footballers, coaches, whatever it may be, and getting in the game. Um, even for myself, wanting to get involved more in the media side of things. Um, a chance to do that and showcase what people in the Ironman can really do. Um, so that, that's been a great start-up, really. It feels like um, there's a bit of frustration there for you, Mike, that mm. people are sort of forgetting the Isle of Man. I know a lot of people here <clears throat> in Northern Ireland and Ireland will look at the Isle of Man and think of the TT because yeah. obviously that's humongous and what goes on. That's that's how I know it. My dad's TT in the brain. Like he almost raced it one year and he wasn't only mum found out and he wasn't allowed. He's gonna race a production bike one year. So it is in the brain. So people don't know about the football and that's why we wanted to get you on myself and Paddy to talk about it. And it's really interesting you mentioned the club yeah. Isle of Man FC that's coming through. Like the potential there is massive. Hundred percent yeah. I mean, it's it's a a ballsy move to make, to be fair, because all the funding's coming from that is coming from the football club itself. So obviously, as you're aware, like we have an actual government on the Isle of Man, and the Isle of Man government aren't paying a penny into this. So it's self-funded. Um, you can pay like £10 annually to get involved into the club, and that funds the club, and you can have your say. Sort of. So it's really a community-based club, Um but yet it's also, you know, helping the community and promoting the, ta- the talent we've got here. You say about the frustration, it is, I think it is frustrating because there's lads that I went to school with and they were unbelievable players. Like they were really, really good. And I'm not t- saying they're going to absolutely make it, but they were de- they're definitely like League One standards. There's a couple of gems in there. And I think people just look at the Isle of Man and think it's a small population and they probably do it with uh, Guernsey and Jersey too and just think, well, they're not going to have anything there. But there is, there is some hidden gems and yeah, I think it gets to a point over here where you know you're not going to get your chance to play in footy over here and you get to like 17, 18 and you start going out on the drink because there's quite a big drinking culture in the Isle of Man because obviously there's not much else to do. Um, so those players that are really good, when they don't get the chance, they don't bother them. Yeah, it's a really, really good point and I can feel your frustration as well, Mike. Um it sounds like a really good idea and a platform for people on the Isle of Man to showcase their talents. And, you know, I know that in some of the Channel Islands, obviously, there's been a few prominent players over the years, like Lasso and Letizia and things. But it sounds like I know Isle of Man's population of, what is it, 80-odd thousand? There's, there's clearly going to be gems, like you say there. And you'd think that 
some of the clubs in that northwest part of England, uh, which are so close to you, would think of trying to mine a few of those gems. Like, it, would there ever be scouts that come over? Like you mentioned, Adam Longer that plays for Wigan. Would there be a, a team that are sort sort of starting to look across the the RC at, at the Isle of Man? I don't know. I think I think that's where FC Alamans going to make a massive advantage. We're going off. We're going away to the UK and play in these teams, so they haven't got to travel over to the Isle of Man. The scouts they can just come down the road and they can see the talent that's playing for FC Isle of Man now. So that's the biggest benefit that these players have got. Um, I actually run another podcast as well for FC Isle of Man called Ravencast, um, and we did a episode not so long ago when we played the game against Guernsey, which was our um, first game. And there's a young lad there called uh, Adam, Adam Cool. He's about, I think he's about 18. And he talks on there about how it's great for him that he's going to have the chance to go away with FC Isle Man. And he knows he's probably going to get scouted by all these other players because you know that, you know, the scouts aren't going to come over here just to watch like a one-off game. And I, I do understand it. I, I do understand that. But again, it's almost like the Isle Man just gets forgotten about. And you, like, the, you know, the proof's in the pudding. Adam Long's gone over to the to the UK, um, known the right people, had his had his trial, and then they've Wigan have obviously been really impressed, impressed that much that he's now playing centre half for them. So there's definitely definitely talent here, um, and I think FC Armand's the way forward. So you'll probably see a lot more Manx players coming through the ranks. Where where does Adam Long go internationally then if he if 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 he becomes good enough? Like, I'm just thinking like. There's no there's no real international team I take it that'll play like you don't play in a Regents Cup or anything like that no no that sounds mad to me why yeah. you wouldn't be playing in that I suppose if he got obviously if he got as good as he wants to be he'd be playing fair he could probably end up playing for England but like you say he could he, he could have the opportunity to play for the Isle of Man FA but like I say they don't they're not putting themselves out there enough like I say they only play one off games against someone random I'm trying to think of who they've actually played quite recently I think they played like Wolves under 23s came over here a couple of years ago I think Everton's under 18s and it's like they don't they don't really get themselves involved enough um for my liking personally um so they're not yeah, he wouldn't obviously end up playing for the Isle of Man he'd be playing for England yeah because uh, we we have a like uh, Sorry, Phil, you were no, Go ahead, go ahead, Paddy, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say that FC Isle of Man might be a, you know, a real driver for football going forward. Like you look at the likes of Gibraltar, uh, which recently has uh, FIFA state status as well, uh, and it's smaller than the Isle of Man, I, I think. Um, you yeah. know, so maybe this could be the start of something really, you know, a real journey for the Isle of Man that that you and all your your mates and things might be a big, big part of. Like, and that's really exciting. Yeah, and I think I think people will actually enjoy coming to the Isle of Man as well. I think I've seen quite a lot of people, um, a lot of like fans of different teams from across, obviously, the pyramid that FC Alman are going to go into. Um, and they're saying, like, I can't, can't wait to come over because we've actually got to fund them coming over here as well. All right. All oh, right, really? Uh, yeah, okay. so this was the whole This was the whole part of the deal of FC Alman being accepted into the league. It's We had to fund, because obviously it's going to be a lot of money for us to fly to the UK. But we can't then expect these other clubs to then have to pay to come to the Isle of Man. So it was part of the, the deal for them to then come into the Isle of Man that we had to fund that. Wow. Flip. Yeah, I'm sure Race. that's a significant expense. Like, and is, is there any... Um, I know that whenever uh, uh, 
in the rugby league, Toronto came into the sort of English pyramid there for a while, and they were sponsored by an airline, and so the airline sponsored the the, the team and then paid for travel both ways. Like, is there any sort of big sponsor in the Isle of Man, like a ferry company that could that is deep pockets for you guys, or is it all no your socios kind of thing? You would think so, wouldn't you? But um, yeah. obviously the, the airlines that we've got over here, uh, we've had like EasyJet and Flybe. Um, and obviously Flybe have stopped Flybe stopped flying after the first lockdown or during the first lockdown. So yeah. that's, that's a no starter anyways. So it's a bit of a difficult one in terms of what they could and couldn't do for that. We've obviously got the steam packer, which is the boat as well, that obviously goes to Haitian and also goes to Liverpool in the summer. Um, whether, there, whether there will be something partnership with them in the future um, I'm not too sure but it would make sense to do something like that um, the sponsor they've got a lot of sponsors in the Isle of Man they're also sponsored by uh, Manx Telecom which is like our biggest um, telecommunication over here in the Isle of Man so that's a big sponsor for them to have um, but yeah I mean whether something like that comes off in the future I'm, I'm not too sure um, just like what, what is there in the, in the actual league at the minute on the island is there a main rivalry because over here in northern ireland we, we have actually four professional teams now mm. uh there will be more going professional hopefully down the line i don't think all of them paddy will get professional there's 12 teams in the league i can't see all 12 of them going pro possibly six and possibly down the line they'll merge into an all ireland league but that's a whole different podcast but um is there like over here would be the, probably the big two rivalry would be Linfield against Glentorn, which is two Belfast teams, one from South Belfast, one from East. Is there a rivalry within the the Isle of Man football pyramid? Yeah, I suppose there is. There's many rivalries. So obviously in the Isle of Man, obviously it's only small. You can you can drive from the north to the south in about fifty minutes. So as you go <laughs> as you go there, or I live, like as for an example, I live in the north. So in the north we have. Um, Two where I live is Ramsey. You've got two teams in Ramsey, and you've also got another one um, called Air United, which is about a ten-minute drive from here. So there's sort of like a northern rivalry there. You've also got like a southern rivalry too with all the teams that are down south. Um, the thing with the thing with the amateur football league is over here is what you'll tend to find is say so for the first division, you've probably got about two or three teams that are, are really really good. And then everybody else, a bit like the Premier League's been in the last like two years with like Liverpool, Man City, and then there's everybody else. That's the that's what you've kind of got over here, and it tends to be a lot of the lads will stick together. They won't move from club to club. So the the three biggest teams over here at the moment are Crimfians, which has got a lot of like young lads that are probably my age. A lot of them would be playing and aspiring to play for FC Man. You've also got some, what else have you got at the top there now? You've got Russian United, which is a team down south. They've got, again, a lot of good players. And then you've got like St. George's, and they've been like one of the best teams in the Isle of Man for the last like 10, 15 years. They went on a, on a massive spell of just winning trebles year in, year out. A lot of them lads always played for the Isle of Man FA team. And like I say, they always stuck together. So you'd very rarely see them break up. So I think that that's probably another frustration for um, a lot of the amateur football players over here. The competition's not it's not big enough. Yeah, you, you always see the same teams at the top. There's not like a, a dark horse that goes off and, and and wins the league. That never ever happens. It's always one of the top three teams that win it. Um, 
and the the divide between the first division and the second division is massive. Like the golfing quality is just huge. Um, so when you have like cup games, so say like the FA Cup, I can't even remember what it's called for, for over here, but our FA Cup per se, when a St George's plays one of the lower teams in Division Two, yeah, I mean, it is an absolute twenty-one nil cricket score. Like, oh no! Oh no! So when it's, when it's amateur football, a lot of the lads just go, "Oh, you know what? I just can't be dealing with that." So <laughs> there's been a there's been a bit of an issue, I'd say, in terms of amateur football. Um, a lot of the lads don't want to play it anymore over here because of because oh. it's not competitive enough. They're still playing. But there's there's not as many sides out. What you'll find in the combination leagues, especially a lot of team, a lot of clubs can't put a team out. So mm-hmm. say let's just say like St George's, they'll have a first team and a combination team, just using St George's as St George's as an example. They, sometimes they can't put a combination team out because they haven't got enough players. So that's where another frustration comes, where a lot of lads will give up the Saturday to you know they've got work commitments or they've got childcare and then they think they're going to play a game then they get a phone call that Saturday morning saying the team can't they can't put a team out that's been a frustration as well so um maybe FCR man will help that and kids will know they're 16 or they've got something to aspire for now knowing that they play they play in week in week out people are you know are looking the work. I really hope so. Yeah, man. Yeah, so I think it will get better. I think it's just over the last year or two, has a bit, it's had a bit of a, a barren patch. And Mike, well, well FC Isle of Man, you mentioned some of those, uh, you know, the more prominent teams in the island, like St George's and Ramsey. Where, where's FC Isle of Man stationed? Are, are you able to cherry pick players? Um, or uh, like, are you're, you're sort of sitting apart from the league, obviously, because you're playing in England. So will, will players come to you kind of thing? Yeah, it's it, it, what they've got is like a dual contract sort of thing. So you could play for St. George's and you could also play for FC Isle of Man. Uh, okay. So it's like a dual contract. That was one of the worries that a lot of the amateur teams had over here when FC Isle of Man was first getting set up. And they were, when, when FC Isle of Man got, first got set up and they were talking about setting it up, I think a lot of the amateur teams held back a bit and were like, oh, not too sure what this is going to do for the game. But when they start to sit down, they did a few like presentations with them and they explained that it's going to be for the, the benefit of of uh, lads on the Isle of Man. A lot of the teams came around to, you know, it, this is going to benefit us. Um, so that, that dual contract thing that they can play for the club teams when FC Isle of Man aren't playing and they can play for obviously FC Isle of Man has been, a, has been a good thing. Is there, is, there, um, is there a plan in place then to have like an academy as well? There's there's talks about that when I was doing um the Ravencast um podcast for FC Isle of Man there was one of the questions that popped up I think there's something in scope for that and um, we've got yeah. a, we've got any universities or anything over here obviously in the Isle of Man we've got a college so I think there's scope to look at doing something there um, yeah. and they've just announced um, a partnership with ISSFP I think I'm right in saying. Um, which is like um, they're like an online coaching. So they're they're sort of like going to provide a lot of the aspiring coaches over here some some um, coaching courses. They obviously like things like nutrition and recovery and stuff like that. Um, they like specialise in them. And I know like Man United and some of the big teams work with them as well. So that's been a bit of a coup for FCR man to get them. 
Unreal. Um, so when lockdown finally finishes in, I don't know, 2032, whatever they're proposing, um, myself and Paddy get ourselves together um, and we head to the Isle of Man. You're obviously going to be our tour guide because you're our mate now, Mike. That's how it works <laughs> on the football bubble. As soon as you come on, that's it. So where are you taking us? We're going for three days. What are we doing? And where are you taking us? Three days in the Isle of Man. You can probably see the whole thing in three days, and I'm not even joking. That's class. Um, we love we love that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Isle of Man's just one of those, like, it is good to come over here and just, like you said, do the three days. You couldn't come over here and do a week because you'd just get bored. So, like, if you're doing three days, I don't know. Would you, you can't you can't boat it. Is there a boat? Have you got boats that will come? To the yeah. yeah, there's a boat from Belfast yeah. to, to yeah. uh, Douglas in the summer, possibly. Uh, yeah, and it'll be the summer. Yeah. Yeah. You can you can also hire. There's a couple of boats leave. Like uh, we live in County Down, Mike. And there's Strangford Lock. There's a couple of boats leave from there. There's smaller boats, and you can bounce on, and they'll take you across, mm. uh, and different things. So it, it, we're going to do it. It's part of our plan when all this lifts that we want to go to the Isle of Man, not just during race week. Mm. My dad's going to go back during race week when he's when he feels better, obviously. But I want to go without race week to experience it and get around it. So yeah, we definitely get the boat over. Like where, like what? Where is it? Eat? Is there a Manx cuisine or anything that you would show us? <laughs> Well, I suppose like the famous dish over here is chips, cheese, and gravy. (laughs) (laughs) We've got a yeah. There's a national chips, cheese, and gravy day over here. I'm not even joking. It's not. It's not just long gone. And uh, yeah, that's about as good as it gets. But yeah, there's loads of like bars and stuff like that over here. There's loads of like pubs and stuff like that. Obviously, the scenery and stuff's really good. Yeah. Like, like the mountains and like especially in the summer like the scenery is amazing which has been one of the benefits we've had in lockdown like obviously they look at like places like london manchester and that like during lockdown they can't go on walks and they're just cooped up like aren't they and we've got the benefit over here of just like i can just leave my house and just go on a nice like long walk and you know the scenery is unreal um I don't know. There's some random things over here, you know. Like there's a laxi, there's a thing called the laxi wheel over here, and it's just a, yeah. ma- it's the, it's like the world's, is it the world's biggest water wheel or something like that? Like people must hear these stories, the Iron Man, and just think that's mental. Like the cat, <laughs> I've heard about the cat hotels and stuff like that. I, I come from a cat cat family. My mom is obsessed with cats and she just steals people's cats. And I hope people listen to this and arrest her for it. But when we were going, I was ten. And her whole thing was to see a cat with no tail. That's all she cared about. Like, And we saw one on like, the first two hours being there. And that was her made up for the week. She was delighted. We'd seen a cat with no tail and she thought it was unreal. The Isle of Man to me, and I don't mean this in a mad way, because Northern Ireland is itself is completely bonkers for a lot of shit things. But the Isle of Man, when I look at it, just seems bonkers for all these weird and wonderful things. Like, do you know what I mean? It just seems... Yeah. People must just hear that and just go, what a bunch of weirdos. Like, for them... <laughs> Obviously, people think it's like a tax haven and stuff as well, don't they? So, like, the majority of the jobs over here are like office based and like financial, um, financial based. Like, I work in, in the finance sector over here, and it's just one of them. Like, it's obviously it's been good during lockdown because we've been able to hide away, I suppose, in a way of of the, of COVID and stuff. But for like me personally, like I'm 26, like I just find it boring. Like I just, for, for me and my age, I just find there's nothing really to do. That's why I spend most of my weekends trying to go away to watch Liverpool. <laughs> I 
And, and Michael, are, are you so? Are you from? Uh, are you from the sort of mainland, or are you have you lived in the Isle of Man for long? Or yeah, I was born over here. Manx. You're born born and raised, yeah. From my sins, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And is that is your accent a, a, a typical Manx accent? Because obviously it sounds like a bit. It has a bit of sort of scouse and a bit of uh, stuff yeah. in it. Like, is that a typical accent? I think yeah. I think people probably synonymously call those like plastic scousers over here <laughs> just kind of have a bit of a mix of everything a bit of liverpool and like scottish irish it's just a bit it's a bit quirky yeah yeah and and obviously you, um as we know you're a big liverpool fan would would that be the sort of uh most commonly supported uh sort of big team or, or english team on the island yeah i mean it's a bit of a mix to be honest it's I mean, the heavily supported teams over here is obviously Liverpool. Um, Everton have got a big following. Obviously, Man United. Um, Celtic as well, because obviously there's quite a lot of like, Irish and Scottish over here as well. Um, Arsenal, Chelsea-ish. But, I mean, yeah, mainly, obviously, the Northwest teams, United, City, um, Liverpool and Everton. Unreal. What... what um... I want to talk to you about you doing your podcast in a minute, but you obviously follow Liverpool better than me and Paddy can. <laughs> like, you might, I've seen your, I've stalked your Instagram because that's what I do. Uh, <laughs> don't ring in the police or anything. I don't mean in that way, but I do. And I've seen you've been everywhere. Like, uh, what what has it been like for you? Like, me and Paddy know what it's been like for us yeah. following this Liverpool team. And I know you're speaking to Rafa Honigstein on your podcast and talking about Klopp. And you can just tell from Rafa that he adores Klopp as well. Every time he talks about him, you can tell he lights up. What's yeah. it been like for you? Because you've followed this Liverpool team home and away. We we haven't been able to just over here as much, but you've been able to go home and away. What has it been like following this Liverpool team under Klopp? Well, firstly, it's been expensive. <laughs> yeah, me and my mates have been going a lot over the last couple of years. And like when I say a lot, I mean, coming from the Isle of Man, we have been a lot because um, it's an expensive job. In the summer, it's not too bad because you can just get the boat over and, it, you know, it's, you can day trip it at certain times of the games, like yeah, your, mid, your midday kickoffs, your three o'clockers and stuff like that. You get, a, I mean, like, this is just going to sound like we are mad on the ale, but, like, your boat over here will leave at half seven in the morning. You have to wait about 20 minutes for it to get so far out at sea for the bar to open. So you're starting drinking. You're talking about it, quarter to eight. <laughs> and so then you get to Liverpool, we'll have a couple of pints, we'll get a brekkie somewhere, go to the game, obviously go up to, like, the 12th man of the park or the sands, and, and then obviously watch the match, come back on that day. And you get the boat home. Now, the boat's about two and a half hours from here to Liverpool. So you're thinking that's two and a half hours on the way there on the Isle and back. And then we probably go out when we get back to the Isle of Man. I mean, it literally is about 20 hours on the Isle. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds amazing. It's like a beef. Honestly, it's like being a beef. So, like, in the, in the summer, it's, it's cheaper. But when the planes over here are really expensive. So... Example like the Champions League nights. So the last, um, obviously the last game we've had fans at the Atletico game. I was in the cop for that. Um, oh. We got the plane, the plane over, and the plane back um, late the next day, and that's an expensive trip. You're talking about you're talking about 150 quid there and back. So when you're doing a lot of games, it's expensive. Yeah, literally, like it, they just rob you because we've got no other choice in the winter but to get the planes. And like I say, there's only a fly being easy jet, so you've got to pay it. It's, I mean, yeah. the journey's that short that they don't even have the trolley going down 
you know, for like <laughs> you drink, you're literally up and down. So it's a 20 minute on the plane. So yeah. they do rob you blind. But um, yeah, it's been amazing following this cop team. I mean, like some of the trips that me and my mates have been on, like, I mean, like thinking off the top of my head, we went, we did the Roma game in 2018 in the, nice. the oh, wow. And that was just like, obviously we were absolutely bricking it going to that after what happened to Sean Cox. And yeah. that was like, obviously absolutely awful. And I, I was at that game as well. And just thinking like, I've yeah. never seen anything like that. Everyone running down um, Walton Breck, all the Roma fans and stuff. And then we obviously knew that we were flying out to Rome in two weeks time. And, just doing going on those trips and like trying to think of other places I've been. Like I went to Villarreal in 2016 in the Europa oh. Ops first season. Unreal. Yeah, that was a great trip. We lost that, and um, I've got a thing. Every away game I've been to, we've lost. Every- <laughs> Stop going to away games. No, I get a PSG. Um, oh, isn't that we? Oh, won- we were bad that night. Yeah, oh, that was so we won it in Madrid. I think. <clears throat> We lost that, but then every every home I've been going to Anfield since I was ten, and I've never seen us lose at Anfield until that Atletico game, which was the last game that we played with fans. I'd never seen us lose at Anfield ever, but every away game we lost. So it was like it's mad. Yeah, it's been obviously we've had some great times just following Klopp and this Liverpool team, and we I, I suppose we don't you know doing my podcast. And you're talking to fans of like a Leeds or a West Ham or someone like that, like a lower, yeah. lower supported team. Um, you don't realise how lucky you are to be able to do these European trips. And I suppose you start take you start take. I don't personally take them for granted. Like when I do them, I like soak everything in and just think like I've got to remember every last bit. But I can see why, you know, a lot of fans do take it for granted that you can get to go to Bayern Munich, you get to go to PSG. They should, you know, we should really take it as a um, as a luxury, really. Yeah. I, I was really talking to some experiences. Yeah. Uh, when I was talking to Stephen Scragg on the on the first outpost for goalposts, he's obviously a massive Liverpool man as well, and he's seen some unbelievable Liverpool sides. He saw some of those eighties teams that were just ridiculous, and he saw us play some mad teams. And, and at the time, and they still aren't in a great shape in the league. Liverpool weren't looking like they're going to get any European football. But I made the point. That even if we get the Europa League, yes, it's not the one you want to be in, but some of those away trips, like yeah. I would, I've never been on an away trip, never been on a Liverpool away trip, um, and I'd love to go. Like if we got to Dynamo Tbilisi, like Paddy loves Eastern Europe, so we'd be all over it. You know, <laughs> we'd be going somewhere there. You know, you know, do you know what I mean? Just to get an away, because I want to experience that. Because an away trip seems to, there just seems to be something special about it. You hear fans talking about it all the time. My dad has, my dad has a ticket in the cup. So he never misses a European or a cup game. Some league games he gets to, some he doesn't. He was there in Atletico Madrid that night as well. He was in the cup like you. But his, one of his best mates, Anna, she goes home and away, and she says all the time to us, the away trips are the ones you want to go on. Definitely. The cup's great, and the cup's brilliant on a big night, like Barcelona, obviously, that was unbelievable, uh, and whatever, and different things. And Dortmund, they're all great games. But she says, on a away trip, like she was in Munich, yeah. You know when Sadio Mane was the best player in the world and somehow didn't win the Ballon d'Or? She was there that night. And she just said that was just the Si Senor, the Firmino song afterwards. It gives her goosebumps still talking about it. I, I really want, it's on my bucket list, to get to an away European game. Like, and I, I think you're the same, Paddy. Oh, absolutely. I've never 
we're gonna we've been plenty of home games, but uh, I to go to an away game. I suppose the only away games I've been at are Northern Ireland game, and there is a sort of different atmosphere about it than the in the way, and it's fantastic. So I can only imagine what it's like in a big Liverpool game when there might be three or four thousand Reds sort of taking over a, a a city square or something like that. Or, um, yeah, it sounds absolutely unbelievable. And and I suppose with, with Liverpool, obviously things unfortunately haven't been so great this season. What do you think needed sort of going forward? Obviously, there'll be players coming back from injury, but is there anything that you think, any areas we need to particularly strengthen in, or, or what would you do if you were in Klopp's shoes? Oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? Like, I think we all know the issues that we've had this season. We all know it's injuries, and we all know probably we've... I suppose the players have probably took this for granted. I don't know if they took it for granted, but they seeing the fans in there every week, it's been our biggest strength under Klopp. And now that's turned into our biggest weakness, not having the fans there. So the unity and everything that we've had over the last couple of years and what Klopp's been trying to build on, that's been our biggest strength rather than the, the players on the pitch, in my opinion. that That's something you don't see in many teams, um, not in many clubs. Um, and that strength's really turned into our weakness. And I think that's been the biggest thing this season. Um, there's always this cliche, isn't there, of, you know, the atmosphere at Anfield's a myth. And, and it's, you know, tw- the 12th man's a myth and all this. But it re- it's just obviously showing that it's not. So that coinciding with some of the big injuries we've had. Like, don't get me wrong. I think we've had some really poor performances. That, that six-game loss streak that we've had recently. Um you look at some of those games, I'm trying to think of, say like Burnley or Brighton, nine of those starting 11 are all Champions League winners. Now, you're not telling me that they've not got the facilities to beat a team like Burnley or Brighton at home. So, maybe a bit of it's fatigue. Maybe a bit of it's just they, they can't push them their bodies any longer. Like, the, this, the, the amount of pressure and the way they've been playing for years... Maybe it's just catching up with them a little bit. And maybe we just need um, some fresh legs, some fresh ideas. Um, I think in those six games, something that was frustrating me, and I think this is me not, like, who am I to slag Klopp off? But just because, you know, what Klopp's done for it doesn't mean he's immune to a little bit of criticism every now and again. I just felt like he wasn't changing anything. Like, he wasn't, he was just playing the same system. He was playing the same tactics week in, week out. And I think it's just like it, 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 you know, something's changed, and we've just we stopped playing that high line so much. I think naturally you have to do that with Phillips and Kabak, anyways. Um, but little tweaks is probably going to change the way that we've been playing. Um, listen, there's no, there's no, um, there's no getting away from it. It's been a bit of a disaster season, which is funny to think we were top of the league at one point. <laughs> yeah. You know, you look at it now and you think how they were overachieving. But then I think they've massively underachieved since January. Um, the saving grace is obviously the Champions League we've got now. Now we've got Madrid. We've probably got the better side of the draw there. We've probably got uh, a route to the final. And I don't think, and honestly don't think we're going to win it. But I didn't think we'd win it in Istanbul in 2005. So... You, you just don't know. I think, I think there's there's a chance we could even get top four. And I think so long as we've got Champions League football in one way or another next season, and we can just 
writing the season off per se and just start again and maybe spend a bit more money wisely in the summer. Maybe some people need to go. I mean, it's a bit disheartening seeing potentially Wijnaldum going all of the But maybe that fills the void for a new things up. So it's been a bit, it's been, I'm not too sure we need to change that much. Maybe a few tweaks here and there. A few players need to go. A few new, new heads need to come in. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be exactly the same. I, I, I was the same as you. I think Klopp was frustrating me a little bit because he wasn't changing anything when it was so obvious that just tweak it. Like just even go four four two. Just go Jada and Salah up front. Like you know, Mane a bit of a different form. Just change something. And he, I think this sounds mad. He he got Fabinho Fabinho back at the right time. Yeah, he started such a difference that side, and we say it all the time on our podcast. We talk about him and talk about that midfield, and it, you can see even Thiago looks a little bit different. You know, you can see now. He, I mean, I was playing in his mind about him having to cover at the back as well, and it's not his natural position. But I think, I think going forward, we'll have a good end of the season. That doesn't necessarily mean we'll win the Champions League or possibly get top four, but I think we'll have a strong end of the season. And going into next season, you get Van Dijk back, you get Gomez in. Do something with Kabak. I think Liverpool should really look at that the way he's been playing, and yeah. going forward there'll be a difference. Before we finish up, just quickly, Mike, as well, I wanted to touch on your own podcast because you've been kind to come on ours. Going the match is your main one. Where did that come from, and when did you, did you just decide well, I go to the match? I'm going to share my experiences, and I'm going to get people on to share theirs. What, what, what's, where did it stem from? It's a bit of a mad one, really, because people that know me and know me well, if I'd have said to them, "Oh, I'm setting up this." Uh, podcasts talk about football they'd have just laughed like they'd have just gone that's just definitely not like something that you would do so it's proper come out of the blue um i think i'm the i think i'm right in saying i'm the only person in the isle man who's got a football podcast so nice there is there is a there is a manx football podcast over here but they they look at specifically amateur football and it is a really good one as well those lads do really well but um i think i never used to listen to podcasts or anything like that in all honesty, it was never anything that I was really interested in. And then Carragher set his up, The Greatest Games, and I was just absolutely hooked. I was hooked by it. Um, whether that's because the way that Carragher talks about football, um, like I just got a bit of an affinity for that and the way he, the way he, you know, does like Monday Night Footballs and stuff. I love that. I think it's great. And um, I just thought, you know what? I'm, why can't I do my own podcast and just put my own little niche on it? I think that was something I was really like, hyper aware of at first that I needed to have a niche for it because there's obviously a lot of really good football podcasts out there. How's mine going to be a little bit different? So I wanted to, I wanted to focus on people's like match-going fans' stories and experiences of following their club. Now, obviously, I'm a massive Liverpool fan. I didn't want it to be like too Liverpool heavy. Because, you know, I could, I could sit there and, I mean, it's a bit of a mad one, but I could sit there and just watch Burnley, West Brom, maybe not during lockdown. But what I was finding was that when I'm sitting there watching it, I, was probably, I'm, I, I, I analysise the whole game quite naturally. I didn't realise I was doing that. And I just loved hearing, like, other uh, fans of different clubs, like, how they do things, how it's different to what Liverpool fans do and mm-hmm. their stories experience and, like, some mad trips that people have been on. And then I've kind of um, coincided that with doing some, I've had some footballers on and like Jay Spearing and Michael Ball, uh, Andy Gerrard, 
And uh, obviously got the football writers and journalists on, like Julian Laurent, Rafa Honigstein, James Pierce, and people like that, and just trying to mix it up a little bit and um, doing that. And you know, it's like it's done a lot better than I thought it would. Um, I'm on like obviously I do it. It's not a job for me. It's just something I do on the side. And uh, yeah. I'm on what we now three series. I'm on now, and I've had about seven and a half thousand downloads, which. Like, it just wouldn't. I never did it for the downloads. I never did it for anything like that. I just did it because I enjoyed talking about the football. And obviously, I've got a little bit of an audience gathering now. It's quite difficult to gather an audience in the Isle of Man because people don't know <laughs> where the Isle of Man is half the time when I come on a Zoom call to someone. But yeah, I, I just enjoy doing it. Obviously, people if people didn't listen to it, I'd have probably been off ages ago. But yeah, it's, it seems to be doing all right so far. It is. I really enjoy it. Like, and. Well, um, I think that's clear. I love you're like us. We're just doing it because we wanted to talk about football. We yeah. want to talk to our mates about football. And myself and Paddy wanted to do a little bit of a different one than than the main show we do. And both of us are interested in world football and traveling the world. So that's why we've done I post for goalposts. And yeah, I, I think it's class. And I can see by your face here and how passionate you are about it. So just keep trucking on. That's unreal. Like, um, and I hope I hope it really really takes off for you. Um, and obviously, Mike, when, when me and Paddy come over and harass you, uh, <laughs> possibly the end of the summer all being well, or next summer, you can show us around and we might need to catch a Liverpool game on the TV if you're not at it. Um, but just before we finish up, uh, just tell anyone, I don't know, our listeners, where they can catch your podcast and catch you on social media. Yeah, so well, I've just recently set up some socials about three or four months ago. So we're on Twitter, go in the match, Instagram, go in the match, and Facebook too. And then obviously the podcasts on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you can get your normal podcasts from. So yeah, when you definitely when you come over for that pint, we'll uh, have to take you on a night out over here and show you how the manks drink because it is a bit. Uh-huh. Different. <laughs> oh, I love oh, no. that. I think uh, a few weeks ago, didn't uh, uh, the, uh, the pubs in the Isle of Man, and there was a picture of boys up like you know as soon as the bar opened. And uh, there was a fella that just saw him neck and neck, and he didn't even let the pinch settle. You know, and I was like, well, what a savage that man is. <laughs> he just wants to pinch so much. You want it to so, uh, if that's anything to go by, it must be a bit of a party culture, which I'd love to experience at some stage. Oh, and right. maybe actually go to, go to a game as well, if, if it's FC Isle of Man or, or any game, would be phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and thanks for talking to us. Le- learned, we both learned so much about. Yeah. The Man and the, the structure and, and your exciting project uh, with the FC Man's class. No, thank you for having me on. Really enjoyed it. It's been, obviously, I've been looking forward, ever since you asked, I've been looking forward to coming on. So, representing the Isle of Man's a uh, big task, I suppose. So, uh, hopefully, I've done it well. Ah, uh, you have. You've done really well. And, and send us the link. Send me the link for the Isle of Man membership and then we'll see if we can chip some money in from the football bubble to help out. There's no problem yeah. at all. That'd be great. Yeah, nice one. No worries. Mike, chat to you again soon. Cheers, boys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good luck.